Hi, thanks for downloading the next chapter of The Butcher. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to buy the full audiobook at a discounted price, you can head over to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio. Alternatively, you can buy a full price copy at any audiobook store. The Butcher is also available on Kindle Unlimited, ebook and print format, all via Amazon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 4 That'll be £4.90, please, love, Frank Pinch said to his customer as he handed the old lady a bunch of sausages carefully wrapped up in greaseproof paper. He waited while she rummaged in a bag for the money. She was the only customer in his butcher's shop at the moment, so he was in no hurry. And she'd been the only customer all day. Frank watched as the little old lady counted out the change onto the glass cover of his half-empty display counter. Each coin that was plundered from the depths of her bag was held up to the light, squinted at, examined, and then announced. Fifty pence! The woman exclaimed with delight as Frank took a deep breath. Now, she counted, that's only forty pence left. Let me see. An old old hand disappeared again into the bag up to her elbow. It was the world's crappiest lucky dip as far as Frank was concerned. He took another breath and waited for her to finish rummaging. When she had finally managed to pay for the sausages, he wished her a good day and kept a painful smile fixed on his face as she shuffled away out of his shop. Good God, that was painful, he muttered under his breath as he looked up at the clock on the wall. Almost lunchtime, and only one customer. Mind you, she had bought the most expensive sausages in the village. Frank wiped the counter down with a piece of kitchen towel and threw it into the bin, covering the sausages' original wrapper. He should really have hidden the packaging before selling the sausages to the woman, but he knew she couldn't see much further than the end of her nose, so he's safe enough there. Every week she came in, regular as clockwork, to get her bloody sausages. Frank had told her he kept some special sausages for his regular customers under the counter, reserved only for people like her. He wasn't lying. What the old lady didn't know was that the only special thing about them was that Frank had bought them from Little. With a theatrical grin, he had winked at the old woman and crouched down behind the counter, unwrapping the sausages and re-wrapping them in some greaseproof paper, also from Little. Four sausages for her, two for him. It was the same every Wednesday morning. Frank looked around his butcher's shop, wondering, not for the first time, how long he could keep things going. A few years ago, before the whole Brexit debacle, he'd been so busy that he'd had to take on extra help in the shop. He'd hired a young Polish lad, who not only was a very good butcher, but also brought a steady stream of attractive young women into the shop. The women were mostly Polish themselves, but a fair few locals had become regulars as well. They might not have left with the sort of meat they had hoped to walk out with, but at least they were spending money. These days, he could barely afford to pay the rates, and it was only the fact that he owned the shop outright that he was keeping his head above water. There had been two butchers in the village until a year ago, a convivial rivalry that had gone back years. Then one morning, Frank had driven through the village and seen a sign in the other shop window, thanking customers for their support and announcing its closure. The last he had heard, the other butcher had embarked on a second career as a fuel and retail management technician in the Sainsbury's petrol station just off Pound Lane. The only customers who used his shop these days 
were like the most recent one, elderly people who still realised the value of a proper butcher, a local butcher who served local meat. That was the main reason he was wearing a white coat underneath his red stripy apron, with a white hat topping off the outfit. At least he looked like a proper butcher. Frank knew that if his brother Tom didn't pull his finger out and start producing something on that excuse of a farm they both lived on, even the shop wasn't going to carry on for much longer. Frank's customers all had one thing in common. They didn't drive, so they couldn't get into Norwich where the price of meat was marginally cheaper, and they didn't order stuff off the internet. Most of them didn't even know what the internet was, other than a place where perverts lived. Frank walked into the back of the shop, past the industrial-sized fridges that hadn't been turned on for months and had been left open at night to stop them getting mouldy, and opened the small under-counter fridge where he kept his lunch and most of his stock. As he sat on the small stool and munched on his cheese sandwich, he thought about Tom's latest scheme to get back on track. Fed up with buying pig sperm at top prices, Tom had invested in a male pig, a boar. His idea was to use the boar to get the farm's stock of pork back up to sustainable levels and sell extra sperm on the side to other local farmers. Apparently, the market for unused pig semen in Norfolk was quite buoyant. Frank had queried this with Tom on the grounds that if pig semen was that much in demand, then every farm would have its own supply of the stuff. Tom was adamant, though. He had come back from the livestock market a few weeks ago with the world's ugliest male pig. They'd named it Boris after deciding that it had a more than passing resemblance to the Prime Minister. Frank sighed as he thought about his younger brother. It was fair to say that Tom wasn't a people person and that he was happier around pigs than he was around other human beings. Frank wouldn't mind if Tom could actually run the pig farm at a profit, as opposed to the steady drip of their dwindling savings. Boris had almost cleaned the pair of them out of their savings, and it wasn't as if the butcher's shop brought in much money anymore. They had just had a whole load of meat back from the abattoir that was sitting in the fridge back at the farm, so at least in the next couple of days he'd have some more meat sitting in the counter in the front of the shop. As Frank wondered how long it would take them to get back on terms, or indeed if they ever would, he heard the door of his shop open. He got to his feet, brushed the front of his red-striped apron to get rid of any crumbs, and walked back into the main shop to see which old lady it was this time. To Frank's surprise, it wasn't an old lady in the shop, it was a young one, and a rather attractive young lady at that. She was slim, dressed in a dark blue trouser suit, and was looking to the half-empty display counter with a curious expression on her face. Frank licked the tips of both index fingers and thumbs and ran them over his eyebrows. He didn't get the chance to talk to many women near his age, and was determined to make the most of it. "'Can I help you?' Frank said, twisting his face into what he hoped was a welcoming smile. It certainly worked for the over-80s. The woman looked up at him, and after a brief pause, smiled back at him. "'Hello,' she said, before returning to look back in the display. "'So you're not from round here, are you? Are you just passing through?' The customer looked at him, her eyebrows raised, and Frank was worried he'd offended her. "'I mean, most of my customers are locals, so I know them all. I don't get much passing trade, you see.' She smiled at him, her face relaxing and he noticed a slight gap between her front teeth. Goodness, 
You didn't have much in your cabinet, do you? she asked. Frank examined her, not quite sure what to say. She had an almost round face, a button nose dusted with freckles, and as he told Tom later that evening, the most mesmerising green eyes. He ran through a few replies in his head before deciding on what he thought was the best one. That's only the display, my love, he replied, catching the faintest trace of irritation on her face as he said, my love. Frank made a mental note not to use that expression again. I'll keep the good stuff in the fridges, he nodded at the empty fridges behind him, and out back. He hoped she wouldn't ask what was in the fridges. It wasn't as if he could open them. Were you looking for something in particular? If I don't have it in stock, I can always get it for you. No, not just now, thank you, she replied, looking again into the glass display counter. I'm not here to buy anything. Frank watched her place a small briefcase on the countertop just as his mobile phone buzzed in his pocket. While the woman opened the case, he pulled the phone out and looked at the screen. It was Tom. So he rejected the call. Given the choice of talking to Tom or talking to this young lady, Tom could wait. He could wait quite a long time as far as Frank was concerned. The young lady pulled out some paperwork from her briefcase. I'm guessing you're Frank, Frank Pinch? She asked. Frank started to get a sinking feeling in his stomach as she put an identification card on the counter. Yes, that's me, he replied, leaning forward to read the name on the identification card. A much more serious version of the woman looked back at him from the card. Emily Underwood, Environmental Health Officer. Your annual inspection's due in the next week, so I thought I'd drop off the self-assessment paperwork. Frank's phone buzzed again. He ignored it again as his visitor continued. I know it normally comes in the post, but I was in the area, so I thought I'd pop in and introduce myself. Well, that's very kind of you, Miss Underwood, Frank said, trying to summon up a smile. Very kind indeed. Frank watched as Emily walked back towards the door, a briefcase tucked underneath her arm. I'll see you next week, Mr Pinch, she said as she opened the door. Frank's phone started buzzing again. I can't wait, he muttered as he stabbed at the phone to answer the call. Tom, what the hell is it? He paused, listening to his brother shouting down the phone. Calm down, Tom, what sort of accident? A few seconds later, Tom flipped the sign on the butcher shop to close, locked the door and jogged towards his battered ten-year-old Range Rover. As he opened the door, he wondered why on earth his little brother had a dead body in one of his pig sheds. Hi again, Nathan Burrows here. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder, if you're interested in buying the full audiobook, head to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio or any audiobook store.